Talk about distracted. Ever since Saul started chasing David, Saul seemed to be no help for Israel. They couldn't get past their morning meeting without Saul turning on the David tracker on the big screen to look for David. Hey, King Saul, we need to talk about staving off a famine. Have you boys seen David? Uh, King Saul, the Philistines are mobilizing near our border. We need to do something about it. Hey, you boys think the Philistines will help me find David? One of Saul's more loyal men spoke up. I've seen him, sir. All eyes looked toward a man named Doeg. Saul stood up and clenched the javelin in his right hand. Where? He's back in Judah, sir. Last I saw him, he was with the priest Ahimelech and his men down near Nob. The priest actually consulted the Lord for him and even gave him the sword Goliath used to use. Saul thought for a fleeting second about how long it had been since he heard anything from the Lord. In fact, it was about the same time he first heard of David. All of this, this was all David's fault. David had to die. And now that he was back in Judah, Saul had him. This time that slippery upstart would not escape. This time Saul would finish David off and finish what he started. This time was just a matter of time. Hey, good day to you, Simplify listeners. You're listening to LJ Harry, and you're listening to The Witch at Endor on Simplify. Saul saddled his horse and led his men to Nob. He found Ahimelech and about 85 priests, but David had already slipped away. And worse yet, he had the sword of Goliath, the dead Philistine champion. Saul just knew if David had the chance, he would wield that sword against him, and he could not afford to give him that chance. If only Saul knew, David did not see Saul the same way Saul saw David. Saul called David an enemy. David called Saul the Lord's anointed. He just wished the Lord's anointed would stop trying to kill him. There at Nob, Saul interrogated Ahimelech. Then he ordered Ahimelech and 85 other priests murdered simply because they helped David. Saul chased David everywhere he went. He hunted David down. Saul no longer acted like a king. He was an obsessed, paranoid killer who ate, drank, and slept a plot to kill the ruddy shepherd boy, giant-slaying army general David. One day, Saul got his chance. He and his men had chased David to a wilderness in En Gedi. Saul needed to take a break from the manhunt to answer nature's call, so he slipped into a cave where he could have some privacy. While he was preoccupied, David happened to be hiding in the same cave, and Saul never knew it. But David's men saw a fortuitous serendipitous providential opportunity for David to avenge himself and take out Saul in one fell swoop. They even believed the Lord delivered Saul to David. David slipped out of the shadows and snuck close enough to cut a corner off of Saul's robe. Saul never knew. He composed himself, emerged out of the cave, and met up with his men. Okay, so where do we look for that traitorous, troublemaking son-in-law of mine next? But David's heart would not let him celebrate. David shook his head as he held the corner of King Saul's robe in his hand, and he went back to his men and said, Guys, I was wrong. The Lord forbid that I would do anything against my king, the Lord's anointed. 
In that moment, David was a more moral man than most. When the coast was clear, David also emerged out of the cave into the sunlight, and he called for Saul. Saul recognized his voice. He wheeled around to see an exhausted young David standing at the entrance of the same cave he just exited, and he was holding a ripped remnant of robe in his hand. Do you see this? I could have killed you. This is your robe. But I didn't. Please, don't listen to the liars telling you I want to hurt you. I don't want to hurt you. I just want you to leave me alone. Saul couldn't believe his eyes or his ears. No soldier lets an enemy escape. But David let him escape. Why? Could it be because David did not see Saul as an enemy? That day Saul asked for David's forgiveness, and he went his way, and David and his men went their way. Then Saul heard the news that the prophet Samuel had just died. Any chance of Saul ever hearing from God again seemed to die with Samuel. That shook Saul. Just two chapters later, he was back to his wicked ways. Once again, he led his men, this time 3,000 elite soldiers, to hunt for David. Saul didn't realize how close he was to him again. This time, Saul was asleep, surrounded by his elite soldiers, and one of David's mighty men begged him to let him take Saul out. He was elite in his own right. He even promised David, listen, if you let me swing the sword, I won't have to swing twice. But David did not see Saul like Saul saw David. David saw a king, the Lord's anointed, when Saul saw an enemy. The real enemy was the men, or the devil, who lied to Saul that David was after him. That night, under the cover of darkness, David and Abishai snuck into Saul's camp while he and all his men were fast asleep. They slipped into the camp and slipped out with Saul's spear and jug of water. David and Abishai crossed over the hill, got to a safe distance, and David's voice pierced the quiet of the night. Hey, Abner, whose spear and canteen are these? David was calling out to Saul's bodyguard. And Saul recognized that voice. Is that you, my son, David? Saul realized this was the second time David could have killed him, but he didn't. And this time, he left, and he left David alone. But Saul was still tormented. He could not hear from God. Now he could not talk to Samuel, who could talk to God, because Samuel was gone. But Saul knew one way he could hear from Samuel, or God, or both. He said to his servants, Find me a woman who is a medium, someone who can call up spirits so I can ask what I should do. And one of his servants told him about a medium, a witch, who lived in the village of Endor. They showed up on her doorstep at night for a seance. She was nervous, but Saul was disguised. He was wearing street clothes, and he only had two guys with him. He certainly did not look like a king, and he did not act like a king. That was becoming Saul's story. She asked him who he wanted to talk to, and Saul said, Bring me up Samuel. And as soon as Saul said Samuel, she knew he was Saul. And she was terrified for her life because Saul is the one who outlawed mediums and spiritists in Israel. She thought she had been tricked. This was a trap, but Saul was even more terrified than her, if it was possible. It's tragic that Saul actually embraced the evil he once hated. But all of that happened when Saul walked away from God, somehow known only to God, a spirit looking like an old man wrapped in a robe, like a priest, appeared and asked Saul, Why have you disturbed me? And Saul broke down.
I'm in deep trouble, Samuel. The Philistines are at war with me. God won't answer me. I call, but he won't answer. I, I, he won't talk to me in dreams. He won't talk to me through prophets. He won't talk to me at all. What, what do I do? And Samuel told him what he feared he would hear. Tomorrow, the Lord will hand you and the army of Israel over to the Philistines, and you and your sons will be here with me. God will bring down the entire army of Israel tomorrow. I'll see you tomorrow. Sure enough, just as Samuel prophesied, Saul and the army of Israel found themselves on the mountain in Gilboa, and the Philistines tracked down Saul and his sons. They took out three of his sons, including righteous Jonathan, who was David's best friend, who had never done wrong except he had to be beside Saul. Then the archers caught up with Saul, drew back their bows, and at least one of them wounded Saul. And there on Mount Gilboa, Saul died as a casualty of war, but really he died as a casualty of disobedience. And he died because Saul refused to repent. The writer of 1 Samuel never records Saul's prayers, but it would appear each time Saul called out to God, he was simply asking God what he should do. Should he go to war? Would he win the war? But Saul made God an enemy when he blatantly disobeyed what God called him to do, and it appears Saul never repented for it. Wicked kings had done far worse than Saul did, and God forgave them when they repented. Read the story of Manasseh. You'll know that's true. They still live with the consequences of their sin, but God forgave them. I believe, even I know, God would have forgiven Saul if he had repented. But instead, he went to a seance with Samuel, and all he needed to do was repent. He may not have kept the kingdom. He might still have died on Gilboa. But he could have died right with God, rather than estranged from God. Now this week, at least here in North America, people are going to dance dangerously close to evil. It could be their fascination with spirits. It could be a horror movie marathon. It could be dressing up as witches or murder victims with a knife through their head. But this Halloween season, people will open the door to a world they are not ready to fight. Now that said, sitting on a front porch and giving candy to children is not inherently evil. It is amoral. It is neither right nor wrong. If it was evil, it would be evil every day of the year, not just one day. And contrary to what many say, Halloween is not inherently the devil's night. The devil is not important enough to get his own night. I refuse to give the devil one night out of 365 or 366 in a leap year. The devil does not get a night in October, and he does not get a night any other month. But Halloween is a season people will dance dangerously close to evil because of curiosity or fascination with spirits. But if you're looking for real supernatural power, Look where Saul never looked. Look where Saul should have looked. Don't look to witches or mediums or spiritists or tarot cards or psychics or Ouija boards. Look to the Almighty God. The real power in October, or every other month that at least has 28 days, is our opportunity to repent and get our hearts right with God. Saul's story tragically ended, but our story is still being written. No matter how little or how much you've done, even if you have shaken your fist in God's face all your life, you can still repent and get right with God. If you feel like God is a galaxy away, sooner than later, before it's too late, turn from sin, turn to God. In a word, repent. And if you will repent, He will listen 
And if you will repent, God will forgive. I want to pray for us right now as we get ready to go into this week, which is the week of Halloween. I want to pray for us that the Lord would help us to look to him for all the power we need. I want to pray God would keep us safe during this season. And also, I want to pray God would help us to redeem this time. If somebody comes to your front porch and they're asking for candy, and if you've got a postcard of your kid's church or your your children's revival or Christmas program, if you already have those printed up, drop that in there right next to the Reese's cup and invite them to come and be a part of what God is doing. But I want to pray the Lord Jesus would help us to turn to him in repentance and do what Saul never did but should have done, repent and allow God to forgive. Lord Jesus, I love you and I thank you. Thank you, God, for writing this story in scripture. As much as you could have omitted it, you let us know what Saul did right and what he did wrong, and you let us know what we can do right, even though he did so much wrong. I I ask you today, Lord, help us to do right. Help us to live right. Help us to live repentant. Help us to live with a heart after your own heart. Help us to live with a desire to please and honor and, and glorify you with our lives. So keep us safe during this Halloween season. I pray your people would not open the door to spirits and and horror and fear, but rather would look to you for real power and that those who have never repented would repent of their sins. And this time of the year, which has so often been attributed to the devil, would be a time where people would repent of their sins and be filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit and lives would be totally changed. And Lord, I pray, help us to redeem this season. In Jesus' name, amen. I do want to say a special shout out to my sweet, lovely Andrea, who was filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit on October 31st, a few years ago. On Halloween night, God filled her with the gift of His Holy Spirit, greatest gift she could have ever received. And during either a youth rally or a revival service, God was allowing the church to redeem Halloween and turn it into a night when God could fill people with the Spirit. He certainly could do that this week. So pray for the Lord to use and redeem this season that he can use it for his glory. Hey, thanks so much, Simplify listeners. Be sure to subscribe, follow, like, share, and let others know about this podcast. And if you're looking for some great resources, head over to PentecostalPublishing.com. There are three books I would love for you to check out, Simplify, that launched the podcast. It's a devotional. It's there. Ten Words, A Practical Look at the Ten Commandments. It's there. And Blessed Are, A Practical Look at the Beatitudes. It's there as well. Pentecostalpublishing.com. Use promo code SIMPLIFY. First time you use that promo code, you'll get 10% off your entire order. So whatever you order, 10% off of it. Off the top if you use promo code SIMPLIFY. Next week, it's a moment I've been waiting for. It's a moment I'm sure David has been waiting for, having been on the run for so much of his life. I want to share with you an episode called King David. Boy, it has a good ring to it, doesn't it? King David. Looking forward to sharing that with you next week and always look forward to walking closer with Jesus as we walk through Simplify.